Welcome to the Truth and Transformation podcast series, where ASHP President Tom Johnson shares insights from his 2020 inaugural address about personal and professional transformation. I'm your host, Paul Abramowitz, ASHP CEO. And with me today is our president, Tom Johnson. During this series of podcasts, we've explored many different aspects of transformation, from servant leadership to self-evaluation to transforming our pharmacy presence. Today, we'll be talking about transformation as a necessary step in the advancement of the profession, how transformation can create new opportunities in our evolving profession. That's where we're at, Paul. We're down to how do we really get the transformation? Well, in my inaugural, I talked about transformation being more than change. Change is just doing something a little bit different. And I will say that after writing this inaugural, and I've been listening to a handful of leadership books lately, and and I reread another one. I tend to go in spurts from fiction to nonfiction to leadership to whatever. And I think I've said before, I'm an audible listener. That's how I consume a lot of books anymore. It, it works pretty well for me. But I've started listening to the key concepts of transformation and they keep showing up. They show up in leadership books. They show up in marketing books. They they show up in how to adjust your mindset and that the key element of, and key thing of human nature is that people actually strive to be transformed. And so I, I think that's a pretty cool message. And now that I continue to listen to it, and of course, I'm acutely aware of that message now, I keep finding it in a lot of different places. So, you know, for us, I, I've, as a profession, as we talk about, and as I've been in the profession now, better part of 25 years and a little more than that from when I first set foot in pharmacy school, we've been talking about a lot of the same things and that we need to do this or we need to improve this. And we've come a long way in 25 years. And Paul, I'm sure you could provide some further stories if we go back a little bit further in pharmacy history. Now, Bab, be careful there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I will. You're on, you're on shaky ground there. I started to realize that as I, I went to that spot. But, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think ultimately we, we just need to continue to think about how do we keep working our way forward? How do we be present? How do we tell other people about our presence? How do we transform this thing we, we call our pharmacy profession? And I think we've had some really good successes lately. If you think about some of the recent, we have essentially just transformed in the last several months, not only through COVID and everything else going on, but right about the time COVID was hitting in March, there was a release of how to dose vancomycin and a different approach to this than what we all understood for the last, oh, I don't know, 50 years. And that's, that's a transformation. I've seen the profession adopt it. I've seen our own pharmacists come up with new ways of looking at this. And I think it's a great example of how we can transform and really take advantage of this, understand the why, and then move forward. Well, 2020 has been a year like no other. And we talked a little bit about this in in our last podcast. But let's take a, a step back for a minute. And then along the lines of what you mentioned with vancomycin, being a change, being stimulated by what was going on in the environment. Let's talk a little bit more about how crisis can bring about opportunities, sort of to set the stage for our conversation today. Yeah, I, I think forced change can really reveal some, some new options. It removes some barriers to change. And we talked a little bit about change management last time. And 
change is going to be resisted. One of the things I say sort of tongue in cheek is that just to illustrate that point, I've said this for years, but I'll tell people, well, just remember change is bad and should be resisted at all possible opportunity. And I think that I say that jokingly, but it helps understand sort of this mindset and it gets people sort of laughing about, well, okay. But you, you start thinking about it a little bit and, and yeah, we do resist change because we're comfortable and we want to do things that way. But so I think sometimes forced opportunities can reveal quite a few things. We have been virtual everything lately. ASHP has converted virtually. Everybody's working from home and, and doing a lot of different things. The board is meeting on a virtual basis. Our sections met on a virtual basis. The House of Delegates was done virtually. And would it have been our choice to do that? Probably not. Probably not. But we have found some efficiencies in some things. And I think we've found some opportunities to reconsider going forward as we we come back to doing some things the way we've done them. I I think there's some things there that that we need to continue to work from. And I I think that's a great spot where I'd like you to talk a little bit about the great work that the ASHP staff has done to really pivot the last six months. And I see it as a board member and as president, and I get a chance to work with you and the staff a lot, but I don't think the average member listening to this really maybe has that opportunity. So I'd like to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the great work the ASHP staff has been doing these last several months. Well, thank you, Tom. I I really appreciate that. Before I get into the last several months, I, I, I would just like to say that we believe, when I say we, you and I, and ASHP leadership, that ASHP is definitely the most forward-thinking and effective pharmacy organization. And I think that's backed up by the fact that our membership has been increasing by a very rapid rate, both numbers of pharmacists, student pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and the like. And uh, we've greatly expanded in response to our members' requests, the education and information and services that we provide Now, specifically, since the COVID-19 pandemic has occurred and we've started to work remotely, I have to say that the staff has really stepped up the pace and have been even more productive, if that's possible, than what we've we've been in the past in response to patient needs and, and member needs. You know, some of the things we've done are to put together a lot of very good in-depth information about therapeutics surrounding COVID-19 patients and put that out free of charge to, to everyone, effective therapies and the like for treating a hospitalized patient, a patient at home, all the way up to a patient in an ICU on a ventilator. We've produced a, a lot of good information in response to member and patient needs on how to develop surge and field hospitals. We, as you know, and everyone knows, we produce a lot of very excellent material to prepare pharmacists for board certification in order to recertify. And one of the information sources that we prepare and have prepared for a long time is in relation to getting board certified as a critical care pharmacist. And we know and learned during the COVID-19 pandemic early on that while we have many board-certified critical care pharmacists, a large number of our other pharmacists had to step up and take care of the surge and increasing number of critical care patients. So we decided to make those critical care preparatory educational resources free to anyone who wants them. And I can tell you, Tom, 
the response was overwhelming. We had 40,000 new people sign up to receive critical care resources at no cost. So those are a couple examples of the things that we've done in the last several months. We have also greatly stepped up our advocacy efforts with the FDA, with CMS, other federal agencies in Congress to help get them to expand the roles of pharmacists. Now, this was important, expanding roles of pharmacists to care for COVID-19 patients, but also looking at expanding roles and the practice of pharmacy into the future that would apply to all patients. So I hope I'm answering your question, but those are a few of the things that we've done in efforts to react to a crisis situation in this country and help prepare our members to better care for their patients. Yeah, there's several things there to react to. And personally, in our own health system, I encouraged a lot of our folks where early on in this, we weren't quite sure what we were going to see in terms of surges of patients. And now, of course, we're recording this in the middle of July, and, and certainly there's case numbers increasing in a lot of parts of the country. Locally, we haven't had as many, but obviously it tends to be more of a local outbreak type of, of disease state. But anyway, I certainly have encouraged our staff in our health system to take advantage of those educational opportunities. I've heard great things, nothing but positive comments by all of that. And I think it's a great illustration of of why professional organizations are so important to be a part of. You know, sometimes I tend to challenge residents each year as I'm working with them to say, well, I want you to kind of write down what it is that you're going to get from a professional organization and what you're going to contribute to a professional organization that you might want to join. And specifically, what are you going to do with that particular organization? And almost universally, what I find is that we get into discussions about things they've just never really thought of as to why it's important. And one of the reasons it's important to be a member and to be involved is that having that membership base is what allows ASHP to have the employees to create that kind of resource. And that's a huge component of what we all need to do as a profession. So, and I've given lots of different talks to residents and other groups about, you know, your first step is to simply become a member. And what what a great message here, because you just never know when you're going to need those resources. And by you being a member of that organization, you can certainly move those things forward. So I think that's great. And and I just have to say thank you to the, to the staff again and, and to your leadership, Paul, and the entire group, because what the staff has been able to do and pull together, I use those documents on a regular basis myself. I know others do. And I know other groups look to ASHP for guidance and resources in order to move move things forward. So it, it's been a great resource and very much appreciate that work. So thanks for taking the time to go through that here. Well, thank you, Tom. We know that pharmacists are drug therapy experts and are absolutely essential members of every healthcare team. But Tom, how would you describe the components of this essential role, particularly to to patients and the public? Well, you know, I've been thinking about that quite a bit, and we live in this soundbite kind of world. Even these podcasts are coming across in about 10 or 15-minute increments, and I think that's great. It's a great way to get messages out, but sometimes it it can get lost then a little bit in some of the nuance and the details. And we as a profession, I personally have to do a better job at sort of just spitting it out and having this short version of what needs to happen. I continue to, to find that that's more and more important as I 
kind of move through what I'm, I'm now starting to call our, my virtual ASHP presidency, because that, that's what this seems to be. So the more webinars I give and the more talking points I try to work through and try to find some things that just resonate with people. So one of the things that I tell people about is, well, every patient gets a med, kind of where I start sometimes. And if you think about that from a health system standpoint, there are very few patients that come to our, our services that do not get medications. At some point, yes, you might have an initial physician visit or provider visit, and you may not be prescribed a medication right away, but it's pretty few and far between the patient that doesn't get a medication. So I like to use that to get us started. Well, every patient gets a med. That's one reason that pharmacy services is really important. How we provide this, and then we need to start talking about some of these essential roles. We work on drug distribution and ensuring supply chain integrity. We work on clinical optimization and ensuring patients get the right meds. Back to our mission statement and vision statement from ASHP is that our goal is that medication use is optimal all the time for all of our patients. That's quite the vision, but that's exactly what we're striving for. We may never get there. We may never get to optimal use for every patient every time, but that's what we're working toward. And I think that's a good goal to chase. And I think we have to get to that point where we can could describe that. One of the things that I came to here most recently, writing a couple of speeches and working on a, on a webinar is that we have to be able to deliver that message as pharmacists and as pharmacy professionals. And what we need to be able to deliver is to not think about some of the, what I'll call some of the pessimistic or negative things that we look at. There are frustrations in every profession and pharmacy has no shortage of that. That is absolutely the, the case. But instead of how do we think about this and, and how do we get to this? Maybe start talking to other people about, you know, what was really cool today. I helped somebody with their diabetes. Find that one thing that you did. When they left my appointment today, they understood their diabetic meds. I was so excited that that patient could do that. The whole rest of your day might've been just miserable, <laughs> or at least it felt like it. But boy, if you can, if you can hang on to that one thing you did, or maybe the 10 things you did and get up into a summary and think about that. Because if you really start thinking about it, there's more than one thing that was positive in your day. Actually, there was probably only one thing that was negative, but that's what you dwell on. And I think that's a huge component. So while I started this question with, we have to be brief, we have to have sound bites. I just rambled on for about five minutes, but we need to get to that point. And hopefully I put a few little nuggets into our listeners' ears that they maybe can convert to their own their own talking points and their own bullet points for how they talk with others about what it is we do. Well, and it seems to me that what you're saying is we have to be able to concisely demonstrate to them the value we bring to them. Yes, to their, absolutely. To them, to their health and, and to their healthcare team. So can you talk a little bit more about the value that we bring? Well, I've talked about and worked with students and residents and pharmacists and technicians for a long time on how do you add value. I think each individual needs to understand their their value statement, so to speak, and how they provide value to their organization, to the profession. Because if you just take a step back and economically look at the organizational structure and why complex organizations exist in our economy. And I would argue that healthcare is one of the most complex organizational structures that you will find anywhere. If you look at why they're important and why they exist that way, is that there's additive and exponential value created by the organizational structure provided by each person doing their job really well and working together 
in order to deliver additional value. And that's a key element is that if everybody just does and does their own individual thing and doesn't contribute broadly to the organization, or some could argue even broadly to society, then we're all back to just doing individual things. We don't really gain the power of the organization in order to move things forward. And most of us work in very complex healthcare systems. We work in large healthcare systems. There are a few that are in in very small practices and small facilities, but I would say the majority are in very large systems. And we get efficiency and can provide better and more affordable care if we really push that forward. So back to your specifics of what's our value in that spot? Well, we're the medication use experts. We're good at it. Nobody is better at it than we are. And that's one of the truths that I talked about in our in my inaugural address. We bring a unique perspective to the team. And if we don't voice that unique perspective, then it's not going to be there and it's not going to add value to that organization. We also add a direct conversation with a patient that other healthcare professionals aren't going to have, probably because they're just not as interested in that particular specific area or they don't have quite the same skill set. It's not that they can't, it's just it's coming from a different angle. Just from my time, I've spent better part of 15 years in the ICU. I can look at a chest x-ray and kind of know what's going on, but I couldn't really intelligently talk with a patient about that. The inverse might be someone that's really good at looking at that chest x-ray might not be able to have the same conversation about the unique aspects of the different quinolones in therapy and why it would be different and translate that to a patient. So I think just coming at it from different perspectives, and we just need to be really solid in understanding that value and not being afraid to move that forward and to tell other people about that. When I commented on, you know, tell people about the cool things you did, well, tell them how you helped somebody work with their diabetes meds so that they ended up having a better quality of life. That tells people about value. Great. Well, something that I know um, we all as uh, pharmacy professionals struggle with, particularly in the area of ensuring patient safety, is that we oftentimes always try to be perfect. Yes, we do. And that's good. And, and we need to try to be perfect. And it would be perfect if we could be perfect all the time, if I could say that. <laughs> That's right. But how do we ensure that attempting to be perfect doesn't become the enemy of being better? Yeah, that's a great point, Paul. And I think I mentioned this on our last podcast, but I don't remember exactly now. But I recently read a book by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Their first book was titled um, Extreme Ownership. So I listened to that one first on Audible. And, and then I got to the next book, which is The Dichotomy of Leadership. And they described, well, after we wrote that first book, people took us a little too literally on this extreme ownership thing. And we needed to go back and write the second book that says, well, you can't go all the way to one side of the pendulum or the other. And I think that's the example that I'll use when you talk about, yes, we, we need to be as close to perfection as we can get in a lot of situations in our profession. But I'll give a few examples, or at least a couple. For the most part, chemotherapy is a pretty exact science. We need to be at a pretty exact dose the dose of your H2 blocker may not be quite so exact. We may not have to be for, for many of our patients at, at that exact number. We, we can probably round those off a little bit. And I think understanding where to apply that perfection issue is really 
the component we need to work on. Because when you are trained to do that, I used to tell students all the time that they were not going to get a very good grade if they gave me a creatinine clearance that had three or four decimal places on it. When they estimated it from from data that was just not that precise. Yes, your calculator will get you to four decimal places, but that's not an accurate. It's precise, but it's not that accurate. And I think understanding the difference to that and knowing when to apply that dichotomy of perfection versus solid and when you need to have which one. And, and there's that law of diminishing returns that I can work on a project literally forever. I can continue to edit and continue to move through. And probably what will happen is that variables will change and I'll have to go back and redo it. And we just can't do that. So I think that's that's a place to find balance for us. We need to have that conversation within the profession, within ASHP, within strategies that we're doing, within our own departments and understand how we need to move forward, when it's okay to move forward quickly, when we need to think about it some more, and that it's okay to come come to more of a consensus and a, and a middle ground instead of we have to be perfect or we just have to run off and do everything that, that we think needs to get accomplished tomorrow. So to me, it's that dichotomy. Tom, one of the reasons that, that I think your inaugural theme of transformation is so, if I were to use a British term, so on spot, is that each one of us is facing some sort of a transformation at any given moment. Now, we've already talked a lot about how ASHP is committed to supporting pharmacy professionals advancing the profession in this era of COVID change and and transformation. Is there anything else you'd like to add about how ASHP is supporting our members in today's ever-changing healthcare landscape? Well, I think one of the big things is, and the theme has been coming out through our uh, conversations here the, these last few weeks, Paul, and understanding your own professional journey is an important component of what you need to do as an individual and as a profession. And sometimes you just have to go look for the resources that are available. Sometimes you have to challenge yourself with how you've always done something and see what else might be out there. And I am the president of ASHP. And yet every time I go to the website, I find something else I didn't know was there. <laughs> and I think those are elements that I keep reminding myself that in a in a large organization, in a large profession, I need to continually strive to keep getting better, to learn about what's available, and to find things like certificate programs and publications and virtual meetings and how I can be better involved in advocacy and what are those things. And I can't do them all. I just, I can't. I can't do all of those things every day, but I can do pieces of those and continue to look for them and try to get a little bit better. And so I, I think that's an important message for everybody to just think about is what are some of those resources and, and just go looking for them. They're probably out there. In fact, I had a conversation with one of our supervisors that she had said, you know, I, I really could use some, some work on, on revenue cycle and, and figuring out how we get paid for these things. I said, well, luckily ASHB has a certificate program on that. And she said, well, I, I'm not sure that's really what I'm looking for. I said, well, why don't you take a look at the table of contents and, and you'll see. And not too long after that, she emailed me back and said, okay, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And I already signed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, sometimes I think just getting getting a little bit of guidance and, and moved in that right space can can help you move along individually. Thanks, Tom. Those are, those are great points. You know, we've talked about how we're in this changing environment and and some might say we need to prepare for a new normal. And so your discussion of transformation and your inaugural address 
surrounding that is extremely important in today's environment. And I think you're a little prophetic when you decided <laughs> to come up with that topic before a number of these things were beginning to happen. I just might say that ASHP is going to weave transformation into everything that we do. And you know that, Tom. We have many events coming up like Policy Week, the Mid-Year Meeting, our Leaders Conference, a number of task forces we've formed, our Diversity Task Force, our efforts for innovating pharmacy PAI 2030. And that's going to take looking at things in different ways from simply the basics of, of how we hold these meetings. Absolutely. Uh, whether they need to be virtual and not just can we make them virtual, but how can we transform a virtual meeting, start from scratch and make it into an exceptional experience that's different from anything we've ever had. So um, I, I would just ask you to, you know, kind of comment, if you will, freeform a little bit on anything you would like to add in and around transformation in ASHP. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Uh, you know, you brought up some of the, the meetings here that we have scheduled to be virtual in the fall. And for any anybody that's been to Policy Week in September, you know that there's, there's sort of this opportunity to sort of hop in and out of some of these discussions and go from one group to the next. And I'm already trying to figure out how I get invites to all of the meetings so that I can sort of pop in and listen virtually to all of these different things. So I think that transformation component, like I think I mentioned in our last podcast, the theme of transformation is one that humans strive for all the time. It's how we tell stories. There's interesting components of, if you look at different cultures and how they tell stories, there is almost always a reluctant hero with a guide who is working through a challenge and trying to get to a transformation so that they're a better person. And that is almost without exception that that is how effective stories are told and amazingly enough that comes from cultures that were separated by by distance and really didn't interact with each other but that's the same basis for how stories were told so i think transformation really becomes a, a human element and something we're looking for and sometimes changes get forced upon us and sometimes we're the reluctant hero and we need to find a guide and we need to figure out how to truly transform so that we come out better on the other side. And I think that's really where we are. I think we all can individually identify with being the reluctant hero. We can probably identify with being the, the guide. I don't think any of us would have chosen to go through this COVID pandemic, but here we are. And we've had to figure it out. And, and we've all individually and collectively been the reluctant hero. There have been guides available for us. ASHP has been a guide. I've certainly had my own mentors in, in working through that process and trying to figure out the best way to go. But that's what we'll be doing. I think transformation, you're right, is going to be our theme. How do, we, how do we come through this and be better for it, even though we're a little reluctant, but how do we, how do we work our way through and, and how do we come out better as a profession, as individuals, and as an organization? So there's my free-form answer for you, Paul. That, that's what I got today. Thank you, Tom. And that was very good. Thanks. Um, well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Tom, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how transformation creates new opportunities. And again, I'd encourage everyone to read Tom's inaugural address. You can find it on ashp.org. And join us next time 
for our final episode in, of Truth and Transformation, when we'll conclude our conversations about transformation with learning how to act on our truth. Thanks for joining us in the Truth and Transformation. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time for more Truth and Transformation from ASHP President Tom Johnson. Thank you.